Watson trying the right side off the side. Has a Tavis Scott touchdown. Drops a dime. And Clemson back on top. Play action fake. Trubisky steps away from the pressure. Looking for Howard. And he's got it. Touchdown, North Carolina. Bears Hour Live with host Lauren Cox and the draft talk Phil Atoshin. Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. I'm your host Lauren Cox alongside Phil Atoshin and today we're going to be breaking down some NFL draft QBs. Phil, are you excited to be getting under center to break down some Deshaun Watson, some Mitch Trubisky and maybe a few of these other guys? Lauren, it's the year of the quarterback. The Bears are at the quarterback crossroads. I'm fired up. Today's going to be a great show, brother. Well, it's going to be an even better show because for the second straight week, we have a special guest here in the Bears Hour Live digital studios. We have with us today Brian Perez of USA Today's Bears Wire. He's also the host of the Locked On Bears podcast, which I also produce. You can check that out on iTunes. It's great stuff that Brian does over there. Brian, so happy to have you on the show. How are you doing today? You excited to talk some Deshaun Watson, some Mitch Trubisky, some of these quarterbacks? I'm doing great, gentlemen, and I am thrilled to be on with you guys. I love the work you're doing, and no better topic to, uh, to, to talk ball about than the quarterback position of the Bears. Well, obviously the Bears have their quarterback in the fold right now. Mike Glennon is most likely going to be your week one starter under center in Chicago, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be interested in drafting one in the first round or at any point in the upcoming draft. Obviously, they may see a need to add more talent for the long-term future because Glennon is here on a three-year deal with really only the first year guaranteed. Beyond that, it's sort of a, a two years of team options because of the way the money is structured so they might feel the need to go out and draft a guy potentially in the first round to be sort of the more long-term solution at the position. Whether or not they actually feel as though there's a quarterback worthy of the third overall pick is another story. But if I'm not mistaken, we all have Deshaun Watson as the top quarterback in this draft. Is that correct, boys? Uh, Motown Philly is back, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Deshaun Watson 1 for me. And then, and then to be quite honest, it, it is a pretty significant drop to QB2. And Brian, who's your number two quarterback behind Watson in this draft? Right now, I would have it as Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, I believe he has a little bit more promising tape than Deshaun Kaiser, but it's literally splitting hairs because neither of them give you enough confidence based on their limited reps in college. And, you know, to be honest, they make just as many bad throws as good throws. So neither of them give you you know, some overwhelming sense of confidence that they're going to be able to elevate their game to a franchise quarterback in the NFL. But Trubisky, to me, I think is a little more accurate, which is, you know, generally a big predictor of success in the NFL. If you're not accurate, you're going to really struggle. And I think Kaiser has some some more glaring issues with that on tape. So it's it's Trubisky right now, but but by a very small margin. Phil, where do Kaiser and Trubisky fall below Watson for you as far as the, the ranking of these top quarterbacks in the draft? Well, whenever you're looking at the quarterback position, especially you're especially that it is the hardest position to play in all of sports. And uh, through the course of history, Lauren, these teams have tried to gather every bit and ounce of information to get a franchise quarterback, Tom Brady, sixth round, Drew Brees, top of the second, David Derek Carr in the second. 
there's no exact science. So there's so much projection that has to be done in order to get the right fit. The offensive philosophy then plays a role into the the um, breaking down of the quarterbacks. So essentially, each team could see a different quarterback be ranked differently on their board based on the philosophy of their offense. So when I look at these guys, I'm looking strictly at what it is the Chicago Bears need. And we've had Jay Cutler here who's had if not elite traits, then it's right where you need to be when you're looking at quarterbacks. So we know what that is. And ultimately, that didn't bring success because the franchise itself didn't him no favors and he didn't do them any favors. And the story goes as it is. So when I look at these guys, I'm looking at the kind of leadership and the kind of intangibles that they bring to the table. When I look at Watson, he just reeks of a franchise quarterback me and and brian are step for step there i know you're asking me about the second but i think this needs to be said for this stage to be set because so much criticism is coming especially i think brian's way my way when it comes to the third pick in the draft you know you, everyone's projecting defense oh, you, you can't reach i don't think watson's a reach lauren at three however the second tier of quarterback in Kaiser. I have Kaiser number two. I think that he has the kind of traits that I'm looking for to bring to Chicago and, and be able to move the pocket and manipulate that and move and be a bigger athlete. But I'm a, I'm right step for step with, with Brian and I, um, I have Mahomes number three because of the, the arch of potential that this young man has and can sit behind a Glennon. So Trubisky's right there, but it's splitting hairs. Like he said, it's like one, and then there's two, two A, two B for me. So therefore, that's why, as Lauren, you said, and I'm giving you the long answer, because it's so important that the national sway of information, if a Matt Miller says on, or a Mike Mayock, or Todd McShay, for God's sake, it becomes a chorus of gospel. And, and really, ultimately, if we look back in history, no matter what is said, it continues to go against that way of these prognosticators or draftniks, whatever you want to call them. For me, I look at this quarterback class, and I think there's a lot of talent there. And I think the need of the quarterback position represents the most pressing thing for the Chicago Bears because I'm not putting all my eggs into one basket when it comes to Mike Glennon. So I just see it like that, Lauren. Those are my top guys, and it's very close. I'm with Brian. Now, I also have Watson as my top quarterback in this draft, but I, I agree with Brian that Trubisky is number two, but I, I would have Trubisky a little bit closer to Watson. I mean, there's still a, a, a large separation between the two of them, but Trubisky is much closer to as a two than it is for, for Brian, in his opinion. And I, I, the more I watch this guy, the more I start to fall in love with his accuracy. And I, th I think even on the limited... Uh, the limited tape that we've seen from him, he has shown a lot of potential. And it's to the point now where I don't think I would be disappointed with him as the third overall pick if Deshaun Watson is off the board. If he and, say, he and Miles Garrett go one and two, 
you know, how do you guys feel about that? If if it's, if it's Watson and Garrett in some order, one and two, and and Ryan Pace pulls the trigger on Mitch Trubisky, would that be a disappointment for you guys? Well, you know, from my perspective, I think if Garrett and Watson are one, two, in whichever order they go, I think at that point, I would turn my attention to Jamal Adams, the safety at LSU, because. You know, I think the Bears at the third pick need to draft a guy who not only brings value as from whatever position he plays, but also brings the ability to be a leader on one of the two on either side of the ball. And I think Deshaun Watson, the reason why I have him so far uh, graded so much higher than even Mitchell Trubisky, is because of what we've been able to see on tape in before our own eyes. You know, for the last two seasons. What he's been able to do in terms of rallying a a program at Clemson really around his play and elevating that program to becoming ultimately a national champion. It's a lot like what Cam Newton did when he was at Auburn in the one season that he was the starter. You just saw everything around him was made better based on his ability and his talent at quarterback. Deshaun Watson is the exact same kind of it factor player that I think the Bears right now when you're coming off a 3-13 and season – you not only need a quarterback that you can hang your hat on as a potential guy that can bring you deep into the playoffs, but if that guy's not there, you just need a player that's going to change the culture of the program. And I think Jamal Adams would be that kind of guy on defense. He would be the Deshaun Watson of the defense for Chicago in terms of his ability to just make a play at a key moment that secures a win for the Bears. They haven't had a guy like that since Mike Brown at safety, since maybe Brian Urlacher at middle linebacker. They haven't had a player of that kind of caliber um, on the on the team since, you know, go back to Earl Acker and his leadership uh, on the defense. So I don't necessarily think I would be overly satisfied with Trubisky if he was to pick at three, because I think he brings a lot of the same questions into 2017 that we already have with Mike Glennon. You really don't know what you're getting. The guys well, me- played 13 games in college. You just don't know what is his upside at that point. Give me the questions that surround Mike Lennon and the unknown that he is with Jamal Adams than a combination of two quarterbacks that we really don't know who either one of these guys are. Let me jump in and ask you this to counterpoint this. If Watson is on the board at three, you completely eloquently took my feelings about Watson. One other point. I know I'm going to go there, guys. If this kid was... Caucasian, a white boy, there would be no question that this kid was the number one quarterback in this draft. I said this since the since the December that there's no questioning what he's been able to accomplish and how that plays a role. That's a show for another day, but I want to make sure that that is there when we're talking about now. If we're looking at Ryan Pace's comments, Brian and Lauren, about a finding that guy that has lifted his his school and, and what they've done. I mean, he's describing Deshaun Watson. So if Watson's there at three and Ryan Pace passes, are you as livid as I am? You know, I, I completely agree with you, Phil. I mean, there's only one player in this entire draft that seems to fit every single thing that Ryan Pace has outlined as what a value would be at quarterback and just overall what a value would be at the number three pick, and that is Deshaun Watson. Uh, and if he doesn't draft Deshaun Watson, it only says one thing, and that is that Mike Lennon is his guy, and he thinks 
that Mike Glennon is going to be a franchise quarterback and he is willing to bet his career as a general manager in Chicago Mm -hmm. on Mike Glennon being the guy. Because if Deshaun Watson is there for the taking at number three and you choose voluntarily to go in another direction, even if it ends up being a good player, because the reality is this. We might be disappointed that Watson isn't the pick, but as the dust settles, we're all going to end up feeling good about whomever they take because if they pass on quarterback, then that means they're getting a blue-chip defensive lineman or a blue-chip player in the secondary who's going to help this team win games. But if come October or November, Mike Glennon is looking more like, I don't know, insert statuesque pocket passer who has you know, average to slightly maybe above average performances in the NFL, but clearly not a guy that's going to get you a ring. And you see Deshaun Watson at that same time in his rookie season, maybe for the Jets or some other quarterback needy team later in the first round, having instant success. That's going to be a fatal death blow to, to, to Ryan Pace and his future with the program. So I would be massively disappointed if Deshaun Watson is passed on, because here's the other thing. The Bears have addressed quarterback with Mike Lennon, but they haven't solved it. They're not there. They haven't solved the problem. 100%. You know, what I said the other day on Lockdown Bears was drafting Deshaun Watson gets us one step closer to solving the problem. Because, look, if Mike Lennon ends up being a Pro Bowl quarterback, that's phenomenal. We're all going to celebrate his success and, and not want him to leave the lineup even if Deshaun Watson is the third pick. What Deshaun Watson ends up becoming is that guy that you can showcase in the preseason and move down the line for other assets, future first-rounders. Or you can do that with Mike Lennon. Look what's happening in New England with Jimmy Garoppolo. Based on some good preseason tape and a couple of starts, the Patriots can hold him. They'll get a king's ransom back for him if they wanted to trade him. So drafting Deshaun Watson is not necessarily an indictment on Mike Lennon about Mike Lennon. It just says, you know what, may the best man win. And ultimately, whoever ends up winning that quarterback battle is probably going to end up being a guy that you are going to build your program around for the next decade. So addressing quarterback with Mike Lennon is one thing. Solving the quarterback issue is another. And I think solving the Bears quarterback issue would be one step closer to being done with Deshaun Watson in the first round, even if He never takes a snap as a starter for the Bears. All that means is his his selection motivated Mike Lennon to play even that much better and gives the Bears the ability to move him two or three years from now for a first-round pick and more to you know know there's going to be a quarterback-needy team in the year 2020 who would want Deshaun Watson if he put good tape on, on display in the preseason and maybe a few regular season appearances. So drafting Watson, whether it's Watson or Glennon, that single pick, I think, goes a long way in solving the quarterback problem. Well, if they aren't able to solve the quarterback position with that third overall pick for whatever reason they choose to go another position, maybe Watson's not on the board, maybe they don't feel Trubisky is good enough there, do you think they can solve it in the second round at that 36th overall pick? I mean, do you guys think guys like Deshaun Kaiser or Patrick Mahomes or Patrick Mahomes will be there on the board at 36, or would they have to trade back up into the first round? Did you feel there is even talent there that could be a solution for the quarterback position, or is at this point, is it sort of Deshaun Watson or bust? I think they got to move up if they're going to pass early, taking Adams. I would take O.J. Howard at three. I know that's, that's just my gut feeling, a dynamic 
playmaker to help this offense. I think you've seen how they've attacked the free agency on the defensive side of the football. They got uh, Francois in today. Uh, what's his first name? Ricky Jean Francois in today. They continue to look in free agency at defense. I can totally understand Brian's point about Adams, but I think you're looking at somebody as close to graded as Gonzalez as I've ever had in OJ Howard. And, and that kind of playmaker could go a long way. If you took Kevin white at seven, I think the, the proof is in the pudding here with OJ Howard. However, to answer your question, I think in the second round, you can't wait. I think if you want to get Mahomes, I don't think Kaya and Webb are the answers. I love Chad Kelly, but Chad Kelly comes with off-the-field concerns, Lauren. And I don't know PR-wise where Ryan Pace stands based on the cracked ice that he's standing on right now. So I could see a double entendre in getting the quarterback in round one and doing what you saw the Washington Redskins do successfully twice now in getting a Heath Schuler, Gus Farrat, then an RG3 and a Cousins and, and see the Bears take a first round quarterback, then come back again and double dip and make sure you get talent at the most important position in football. But I don't think if you sat still and idle at 36, you're getting the kind of talent that's going to lead the Chicago Bears franchise. I agree, Phil. I, I think if the Bears don't take Watson at three, and, and I'm literally saying just Deshaun Watson, not even Trubisky or Kaiser or Mahomes or any of these other guys, I, I don't think you're going to see them address quarterback until probably the middle portion of day three. Because wow. if you if you end up with and, and look, Phil, I am you know I, I've been on that OJ Howard train for months now, and and I would love that pick. There is no doubt about. The fact that he's a generational talent, and that's what you want to spend a top five pick on, is a guy that you believe not only can be, you know, an instant impact guy and, and a player that maybe is a Pro Bowl level type of talent for the next decade, but if you have the chance to take a generational player at, re, at no matter what exactly. position you play, you take him. And OJ Howard is that guy. Forget all the talk about Eric Ebron and these other tight ends that were drafted early. You know, he's a better prospect than even Vernon Davis was back in 2006 when he was drafted just outside the top five. So. O.J. Howard would be, a, would be a great addition, especially, not to go too off track here, but especially with a guy like Mike Lennon, who yep. his, during his time in Tampa Bay, he targeted Vincent Jackson more than like anybody. And that big-bodied target down the, down the sideline or even down the seam, center of the field, O.J. Howard would be that kind of bailout option for a player that, in Mike Lennon, is not going to have the luxury of escaping chaos with his feet. He's going to be looking for those bailout guys a lot faster than maybe even a Jay Cutler would have. So a player like O.J. Howard would, would be a great, great pick. But if they're not going to take Deshaun Watson in the first round, I'm not sold on any of these other quarterbacks who would probably be available in the second and third round as being that young quarterback to groom as a possible guy if Mike Lennon doesn't work out. I don't see any of them actually being any better that we talked about with Trubisky a few minutes ago. I don't see any of them necessarily having higher upside than Mike Lennon. The only guy that I could say would have clearly – clearly higher upside is Deshaun Watson. So if you're not going to take him, what's the point in spending one of your seven draft picks on another player who really is going to almost be looked at like, as a reach? If you go in the second round and draft, I don't know, a guy like Davis Webb, I mean, 
Well, what is he bringing to the table that Mike Glennon isn't? If in the second day, in the in the third day, if you draft a Nate Peterman or a Brad Kaya, I mean, what are these guys bringing to the table that a player like, for example, Matt Barkley didn't bring to the table? I don't think mm-hmm. any of them are necessarily going to grade high enough to justify a pick after you spent you know, significant resources, whether you want to call it a one-year deal or a three-year deal. The bottom line is this deal for Mike Lennon led to the departure of Jay Cutler. So what a lot of people are missing here is, well, it's a one-year deal. The team can get out of it real easily, I, and, and that's all true. But part of that deal was waving goodbye to Jay Cutler. So there is such a commitment that's been made to Mike Lennon that unless you're bringing in a talent like Deshaun Watson, why would you bring in a day three guy like Brad Kaya, whose upside is only that of Mike Lennon, who you know the fans in Soldier Field would be would be demanding if Mike Lennon gets off to a rough four or five week start to his Bears career? So I don't see any way to justify that unless you're just throwing darts at the wall and hoping something sticks, like kind of what happened with Jordan Howard last year. I mean, the Bears went into last season thinking that Jeremy Langford and Kadeem Carey were the perfectly capable replacements for Matt Forte. They took Jordan Howard based on value in the fifth round, and the rest is history there. To get that kind of success at quarterback is very, very rare. So if you're not going to take the Deshaun Watson pick, if he's on the board in the first round, if he's off the board, I think it just shifts their attention to just building other core positions. I would rather see them focus on drafting two or three offensive tackles in this draft than one of these dra- you know, day three quarterbacks. The offensive tackle position has plagued the Bears for years. Fix that position this year if you're going to address you know, those important needs moving forward. Could you argue, though, a P- Pat Mahomes has a high ceiling there. He's got I'm 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 real cool on him in terms of, you know, I think what happens, especially this time of year in draft analysis, is tape starts getting ignored. And what I mean by that is, you know, the guy's got the big arm and the highlights are what circulates on NFL network and ESPN and, you know, his ability to to sling the ball sixty miles an hour, whatever he threw it at the combine. You know, traits start becoming the dominant uh, talking point versus tape. And when you watch Patrick Mahomes' tape, I mean, any quarterback coach that would put their reputation on the line to draft him, I think, is taking a huge risk because the guy has to be rebuilt from the ground up. There are guys who have been able to survive in the league with chaotic-type mechanics, but you know those guys are end up, end up being Hall of Famers. I mean, people want to talk about Brett Favre. Well, last I checked, guys, there's only been one Brett Favre. I mean, it's not like Brett Favre, gunslinger, how did he just pull that off type of quarterbacks come around every couple of years. I don't see Patrick Mahomes as a Brett Favre. I don't think you can ever you, – you got to stumble into a Brett Favre. You don't predict a Brett Favre when you draft him. It just happens. And Mahomes is – he has made a living on the college level with his arm strength. He has made throws and completions on the college level that would probably be interceptions in the NFL. So I'm very nervous about how high, you know, the Bears might have him graded. He's a guy that probably will end up going in the late first or early second. But mm-hmm. I just, I just, I question how much work it's going to take for him to become a capable starter. I love this kid, and I'll tell you why, Brian. It's because the athleticism on top of the system, it only led to minimal interceptions and consistent ability to throw touchdowns. And I know the 
Red Raider offense down there at Texas Tech comes with, you know, questions and, and past quarterbacks. I think this kid isn't a fit. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I've said it a while, maybe a better athlete, but kind of big in the pocket, ability to run and throw those balls. I mean, my uncle Sam Rotigliano said it best. He's like, sometimes we, we base too much on what we are used to seeing when there comes someone who's able to do something and they consistently are accurate and do things that maybe we're not accustomed to, they are the, the transcending talent. So that kind of ceiling I see in this football player, I get it. The oddball steps and the ability to throw off the back foot has been kind of uh, spoiled milk in Chicago with Jay Cutler having some of those things. But, you know, the big plays are hard to, to ignore. I've really put a lot of emphasis on this tape, and, and, and all of it is projection. But here's a guy that knocked Davis Webb to California because he, he came in for a, a, da- a fragile Webb who got hurt and, and then and never looked back, and then Webb ended up transferring to Cal and, you know, the rest. So when you look at Mike Glennon, and I was look, comparing the two, doing an exercise Similar to what you're saying, I just think that this kid's a better athlete, has a better arm, and is a young talent. And what a better way to learn from a guy that is a pocket passer, that is kind of statuesque in the pocket, and be behind a Glennon with his big arm and the understanding that we are drafting you based on your potential to be great. So... That kind of player I could see being a little bit more of a projection based on his talent to what Mike Glennon is. Now, when I was thinking about Mahomes the other day, I I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this. How many quarterbacks in the last, say, 20 years have come out, you know, a guy like this where inconsistent footwork, you know, decision-making is sometimes questionable. Obviously, he can make the big throws, the, the, the Brett Favre, the the crazy backyard football touchdowns, but at the same time, there's not a lot of this consistent quarterback pocket play that you can look at on tape. And, and how many times in the last 20 years have we seen a quarterback come out like this and actually be able to change and be able to develop into a consistent pocket quarterback? I mean, obviously a guy like Aaron Rodgers comes to mind as someone who is able to refine their game on the bench, but he's not, you know, he's obviously the exception to the rule. And I, I just don't know, I don't know, maybe you guys know better than me, how often do you see a guy really change from what you get from the college quarterback? Tyrod Taylor was another quarterback that had that leave the pocket, throw from weird angles. Um, Phillip Rivers came in very critical of his launch point and how he throws. Again, he still throws weird. That's what I'm saying. You don't really have to change their mechanic. You want to help them with his footwork. But I would not change this kid's arm ball delivery. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And in fact, in this modern day NFL, with all this uh, read fake slant p- patterns, getting that ball on time and accurate, this kid can do those things that Dow Loggins' offense has asked their quarterbacks to do. That's why I think what I said in the beginning, sometimes it's the fit in the philosophy that is 
has a board ranked a certain way as opposed to someone's talent. But there are some stories of players, Lauren, that have come in. Brett Favre was one of them. I mean, for years they asked him to try to do this, and then ultimately Mike Holmgren just threw his play sheet to the ground and let him let him play football. You know, another guy, too, is we, we talked about a few minutes ago, Cam Newton. I mean, I remember when Cam Newton was coming out, true, there was actually true. debate over whether or not he should be the number one pick because some people thought he wasn't actually going to be able to build his game up to be a pure passer in the NFL. And we've seen him evolve actually on the field through reps on the field to turn into a, 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 at least a, a above average NFL passer. I mean, he does everything so uniquely well that mm-hmm. um, you know you can he can get away with some things as a passer that other quarterbacks can't. But let's look at some of the guys you just talked about, though. I mean, those guys were were all in the discussion to be the number one pick, with the exception of maybe Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers was in the discussion to be number one pick. Phillip Rivers was in the discussion to be the number one pick. Cam Newton obviously was the number one pick. These are Ty guys Rock. that they were come. These these are guys. Tyrod Taylor wasn't, but these are guys that come that came into the league with such high grades that the only thing you could really find to knock them on was maybe the, a little bit of of an awkward approach to throwing the football. With Mahomes, I think it's a little different because I don't know if it's necessarily just an awkward release point or his, you know, you know, escape the pocket gunslinger mentality. I think he is just so flawed from a footwork standpoint that it's going to scare teams. That teams are going to think that he got away with things on the college level that he's not going to get away with in the NFL, as a, as opposed to players like Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton and some of these other guys that I don't know if you would necessarily say they got away with like these aired out virtual jump balls down the sideline that um, Mahomes has been able to, to turn into completions and big plays and high production. You know, when you factor in that offense too, Phil, there's a lot of things that are working against him now is as a second round pick, you know, the risk is greatly reduced as a second rounder, as a mid second rounder. I would, I would be comfortable with Mahomes, as a second or third round pick. I would not be comfortable trading a future asset to get back into the bottom of the first round and draft him. Plus, I mean, look at what we're saying too, guys. I mean, isn't this not the greatest indictment on on Ryan Pace's decision to sign Mike Lennon? I mean, we're talking about all these different options as the potential long-term answer at quarterback without really focusing on the guy that at 27 years old just signed to a three-year deal. He's making $15 million a year led to Jay Cutler's departure, I mean, you still got to go back. And I I have convinced myself since the transaction took place that Mike Lennon might be a pretty solid player next year. But you have to look at at Ryan Pace's choice here with Mike Lennon. We're not the only three Bears fans, analysts, whatever, however you want to describe us, that are questioning which quarterback is going to be the right pick for the Bears this year, as high as number three, maybe trading back into the first round right after the Bears made their biggest free agent move in years to sign a quarterback. So again, this 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 the narrative around 2017 will be whether or not Ryan Pace is here in 2018, which will fall largely on the shoulders of Mike Lennon. There's no doubt, Brian. I just will jump in here, Lauren, and say the Mike Lennon story. I mean, you're right. We haven't even really approached analyzing his game because the sample size was was one where he was passed over not only for Jameis Winston, but Bears fans know Josh McCown. When he came there with Lovey Smith, Lovey has a tendency to 
name his quarterback, and that's his quarterback. Insert sound drop there, Lauren. So, <laughs> so there is some sort of real, I would say, excitement that a, a new chapter in the Chicago Bears huddle is about to take place, led by a guy that's six foot six and is a tall pocket passer. And, and really, we're going to see what Dow Loggins can do in regards to a guy that's virtually, I mean, me and Lauren broke down some great stuff in the film room. If you haven't seen it, Bears Hour Live film room on Glenn and breaking down his good and bad. And really, this kid was sneaky athletic to me, more so than I thought. Obviously, as a Bears fan with DirecTV, I'm focusing in on the Chicago Bears all the time, not really paying attention to Tampa. And when you really put a microscope under Glennon, there's a lot of things that I understand now why the Chicago Bears are willing to pass the baton to the young man and give him an opportunity. And I think it starts first with his ability to be a leader. And and you see that right away with this man in the presser, in how he handled himself, in everything that Ryan Pace and management and John Fox seem to want in a quarterback, uh, Mike Glennon has passed the test for what it is you want them, that they want in their quarterback and their leader in-house. Let me ask you guys this real quick, flipping the table here. Uh, If Mike Glennon, and this is something that I think all Bears fans have to sit back and ponder, if Mike Glennon was in this draft, what we know of Mike Lennon, if Mike Lennon was in this draft, where would he be ranked among these quarterbacks? Because it's no different looking at Mike Lennon coming in at two th- in 2017 as the quarterback versus hypothesizing over whether or not Deshaun Watson or Mitchell Trubisky or Deshaun Kaiser or Patrick Mahomes. One of those guys would be the answer for the, for the Bears. If Glennon was in this draft, where would he rank with these quarterbacks? Now, before you guys answer, if, you, if you're going to answer, I would say if Glennon is the top guy because of his arm talent, his physical makeup, his ability to make all the throws, his football intelligence, if he's the top guy, then why would Chicago spend a pick on any quarterback? Just as a Bears fan looking at this from a bigger picture perspective. If Deshaun Watson is the only guy you'd grade higher than Mike Glennon, shoulder to shoulder in the, this draft class, then you take Deshaun Watson at three. But if Mike Glennon starts sliding down that board, if you would rather have Trubisky or Kaiser or Mahomes or Davis Webb or Nate Peterman or Brad Kaya, then obviously you're going to tier a quarterback higher as, and as a greater need, even if the talent level doesn't necessarily predicate that player or, or, or suggest that that player should be a higher pick. You're going to draft them higher because of your personal opinion on Mike Glennon. But Lauren, Phil, where would you guys put Mike Glennon if he was in this draft amongst the top four or five guys. I would have him right with Mitch Trubisky. I think 
you know, obviously I think they're both a, a full step below Deshaun Watson, but I would put a guy like Glennon above a Kaiser and a Mahomes. I think both Glennon and Trubisky have similar encouraging things about them. They're both have a very limited amount of tape, and, and that's sort of why they kind of end up in the range that they are. But they're both, you know, accurate quarterbacks. I think they have more than capable arm strength. But you also want to see how they handle the pressure a little bit better, and you don't want to, you know, y- there's not a lot to base it off of. I want to see how these guys do with, you know, things breaking down and seeing the play downfield. They're both accurate passers. They both have done a good job of taking care of the ball, but I think there's a little bit more there to work with from a from a mechanical standpoint, a technical standpoint, than you see with Deshaun Kaiser and Pat Mahomes. So that's why I think I'd put Glennon right up there with Trubisky. I don't know who I I don't know if I'd put Glennon above Trubisky. They're really neck and neck for me. I, I, I don't think I could pick one over the other, but they're they're definitely both ahead of Mahomes and and Kaiser. Phil, what about you? You know what? It's a great question, Brian. It actually, you know, takes the whole quarterback under center philosophy and turns it inside out and you see what kind of heart these guys have. You know, we don't have the sit down with a Kaiser and a, you know, a CJ Bethard or Chad Kelly and see what kind of man this this person is and what kind of person they're going to be leading your football team that aspect of it is out of the equation so when we look at tape you know for me I think uh, Watson is obviously over him and I put him in with Trubisky and Kaiser you know I think the ceiling is very high for a Mahomes only but if I'm ranking them now he would be over Mahomes based on that. My whole philosophy with Mahomes would be learning under a Glennon to ultimately become something that he should be in the NFL that I believe. But if I'm looking at him, I feel I still have I think Watson and Kaiser are above Glennon. I think Kaiser gets a lot of of bad flag. I know there's bad tape and the fact that he was benched and replaced and then put back in. I don't know if that's coaching there because of that, you know, situation. It also leads me to look at this situation in Chicago because of what the quarterback position has gone through in Chicago and how it's treated. Every one of these quarterbacks from Jim McMahon to Jim Harbaugh and so forth and so on up have had a hard time dealing with the pressure of being the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Even when you get an elite talent like Jay Cutler in here, the media and the fans and, and all of it because of the buildup and, and really the whole love affair with the Chicago Bears, you know, it takes a special person to be able to get under center and lead this football team, and we haven't had it. So that aspect... Mike Glennon has passed for me and what I've seen and how I've seen him handle himself so far on television and, and what I've been able to see, obviously. But as far as so, the tape is concerned, I do have Kaiser athletically. I like he can move out of the pocket. He can run. I love his arm. I think he can be more accurate. But I also really don't understand the play calling at Notre Dame. And I felt that hindered this football player. And his confidence, I don't think he was treated fairly, but I, I do think his ceiling and his ability in the NFL, Brian, is 
higher than Mike Glennon's talent. So let's so let's say let's say then that Deshaun Watson goes second to the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And we're all in agreement here that Mike Lennon, let's just argument's sake, or let's just say for at the number three pick, we're not necessarily grading a Trubisky or Kaiser that high. So the Bears end up taking insert, you know, Solomon Thomas, OJ Howard, Jamal Adams, whoever it might be at three. And Kaiser and Trubisky come off the board in the first round. You're sitting there in the second round. Now let's just say for this argument, it's Jamal Adams in the first round. So you're sitting there in the second round, and we're all basically saying that Mike Lennon would be like number two or two A in this class at quarterback. And now we're sitting there in the second round and Patrick Mahomes is still on the board. But on the board is also, you know, a playmaking tight end like Evan Ingram. Let's just use him as an example, who would be the perfect complement to what they brought in with Deion Sims, a guy who can really be a stud in the NFL. Are you gonna take a quarterback there who doesn't rank in terms of projection as high as Mike Lennon versus a player like Evan Ingram who would bring a dimension into the offense? and take advantage of Mike Lennon's skill set, you know, that much greater. So I think this is what's going to ultimately mm-hmm. come come down the pipeline. If the Bears don't take Watson, it's you're going to find out, again, real fast, what Ryan Pace truly thinks of Mike Lennon. Because if he takes Mahomes in round two, he's basically saying, I have no idea who the quarterback of the future, who the future quarterback of the Bears will be. It could just as well be Patrick Mahomes as it might be Mike Lennon. But if he doesn't make that kind of pick, he's all in on Mike Leonard. And I feel like Ryan Pace has really kind of taken this strategy this offseason of putting himself in a position where he doesn't have to take a quarterback in this draft. I mean, certainly he's in a spot where if he feels there's a guy on the board at three that would be the difference maker at the future of the position for the Bears, he's going to take him if he feels like that's Watson or if he feels like that's Trubisky or maybe he feels like it's neither. And, and he's in that position where... He doesn't have to take a quarterback, but he also could if he wanted to. And I think that is valuable flexibility. You know, same kind of thing in the second round where he he could, if, he, if he's on the board in the second round and he feels like there's a quarterback there that is the best player available and would, would be a long-term solution for his team, he's going to take it. But I don't think he's in a position where he feels the need at any point in time to have to take a quarterback in any round. He could easily take a quarterback in the third with the third overall pick, or you could easily go through the entire draft without taking one. I think he's really trying to set himself up to be able to have that flexibility, even at a position as important as quarterback, to kind of sit back and just acquire the best talent for his team, regardless of position. I think he applied that in free agency too. I mean, you look at him taking a steady approach to free agency and not necessarily budging to the $40 million guaranteed that what it would have taken to get Stephon Gilmore or the close to $30 million guaranteed it would have taken to, to grab A.J. Bouye. He, he tends to have a plan and stick to it. I know he took swings at those guys, and I, I took a little flack on Twitter because some people said, well, I'm missing the point that it's not like you know he didn't want them at all. He tried to get them, but they went elsewhere. Sure, he of course he did. But look at the response from Stefan Gilmore saying he was disappointed that Ryan Pace didn't take the negotiations more seriously. The translation there is he didn't offer him the same amount of money that New England did. You know, so the, at the end of the day, Ryan Pace has a plan and he sticks with it. And if he, like you said, Lauren, I think he's going to be a board value drafter. So if Deshaun Watson is the top guy on the board. He's going to take him no matter who else is already on the roster. But he's not going to necessarily take a guy like Pat Mahomes in round two if Pat Mahomes isn't the highest-graded player at the time. Can we get this question answered by you two? 
I am of the philosophy. I'll just say this first, and then ask, and then bring it to you guys. Uh, of taking a quarterback in the draft, no matter what, should Ryan Pace do that? At some point, it doesn't mean, you know, you gave us a bunch of scenarios. If Watson's not there, he passes. I'm not. I'm not talking about trading up. I'm talking about if it gets to the third day. Are we of the belief that because they haven't drafted a quarterback in three years that he needs to take a quarterback in this draft? Yeah, I'm definitely of the belief that a quarterback should be added from every draft class, but it's not necessarily that they have to take one with a draft pick. I feel like you need to come away with a guy, but it could be you know a priority free agent. I just think you have to add young quarterback talent every year for that chance to to find something great, but it's not necessarily that he has to be taken with a draft pick. So whether that's a, a guy like Chad Kelly that Pace feels like could slide out of the draft completely and be that free agent, or whether it's a seventh-round pick that they just take a flyer on to get a guy in the building, I don't feel like they have to take a fifth-round, a fourth-round, a sixth-round guy specifically. It's just about adding someone to that mix every year as a sort of a lottery ticket chance at finding something great because the quarterback position is just too valuable to not add there when you have the opportunity to do so. And I, I agree with that, and I also think that what you're gonna, you'll probably see is if that first wave of quarterbacks, the Bears didn't have a high enough grade or weren't in position to draft them, I think you will see one in day three because of a need, not even necessarily because of the value of the pick. I mean, look at the roster, and like you just mentioned, Lauren, you know, Connor Shaw and David Fales. I think Connor Shaw has some upside to possibly be the backup if a high-profile rookie isn't drafted. But we've seen enough of David Fales to know he's a, all right. He's probably just a journeyman at this point. The Bears need to add another quarterback for training camp and to to battle him for that third spot. And you know. Th- maybe late day three, sixth, seventh round, fifth, sixth, seventh round, I think you'll see the needs. That's that's when the draft shifts from value-based picking to needs kind of trumping value a little bit as you get toward the end of day three. And I think at that point, if you're sitting there and Brad Kaya is still on the board and it's the sixth round, or you're sitting there and a guy like Nate Peterman has kind of slipped a little bit, or one of these other guys that that are considered day three players at this point, I don't think that they'll be drafted with the intent to be a long-term answer at the position. I think they would be drafted because the Bears need another arm for training camp and probably a third quarterback for the active, for the roster moving forward in the regular season. So I think you the Bears... See, the Bears are in a really tough spot here because everybody's expecting them to draft a quarterback to be the future of the position because nobody's sold on the Mike Lennon signing. So no matter where that quarterback comes from, Everyone in the media is going to assume that's the guy that Ryan Pace thinks can be the quarterback of the future, especially if it happens to be a named guy like Brad Kaya. So let's say, for example, Brad Kaya is drafted in the sixth round. That equates to a player who is basically coming in as a camp arm and potential third-string quarterback on the roster. That pick does not suggest that Ryan Pace thinks Brad Kaya is a challenger for Mike Lennon's job and a potential long-term answer at quarterback. The media is going to spin it that way, but that's not necessarily what it is. At that pick, at that round, there'd be a little bit of value there, but it's more of a need-based pick. So I think you're going to see the Bears draft the quarterback out of need at some point, and we'll get a better feeling of what they value that quarterback at, depending on how high they take him. Just kind of bring circling this all together here. They're not going to draft a quarterback based on need in the second round. 
they would draft a quarterback based on value in the second round, a guy that they think could be a starter. But in the fifth or sixth round, they will draft a quarterback more based on need than suggesting or thinking that that guy could be a long-term answer. When the, when the Redskins drafted Kirk Cousins, they didn't draft him envisioning that in 2017 he'd be playing under a second consecutive franchise player contract while <laughs> RG3 is out looking for a job getting cut by the Browns. That's not what they <laughs> thought was going to happen with Kirk Cousins. They thought that his best, his max upside would probably be as a long-term backup to RG3. So anything that any player that they bring in later in the draft is going to really be a player that they project as a value depth, like a need depth quarterback, not necessarily a long-term answer. But Phil, I am of the, uh, of the, the philosophy that yes, you draft a quarterback every year, you just swing for it. You swing for the fences every year. Even if you have a guy, look what the Packers do. I mean, they drafted Hundley out of UCLA a couple years ago with Aaron Rodgers in his prime. I mean, they didn't draft him with the intention of him unseating Aaron Rodgers. They drafted him with the intention of maintaining that philosophy that they've always had in place there, which is you flip a quarterback for that next asset. So I could see the point in drafting one every single year. But for the Bears, you know, Pace, like I said, is in a tough spot because no matter what quarterback he drafts, it's going to be over-scrutinized, over-analyzed as the guy that's going to compete with Mike Lennon. And that's going to be a very unfair narrative and, un- and an unrealistic narrative as we get closer to training camp because a sixth or seventh round pick, I mean, let's just think about it. A couple years ago when the Bears drafted David Fales in the sixth round, and he was a, a long-term developmental project. But if they draft a David Fales type this year, you know the media is going to run away with that and think, oh, this is the guy that might challenge Mike Lennon. It's unfair. It's unrealistic. But I do think they probably will draft one at some point later in day three if the Watson op- option is off the table in round one. But one person who is never unfair and unrealistic in the media is, of course, Brian Perez of USA Today's BearsWire.com and also the host of the Locked On Bears podcast, which I also happen to produce. Check that out on iTunes. And Brian, we know you're a busy guy with all your responsibilities there, so we'll let you go here and and get back to doing what you got to do. But thanks so much for coming on the show. You provided great insight and analysis, as always, on all these quarterbacks, and hopefully we'll have you back on here in the near future. Guys, it's my pleasure, and I look forward to doing this a lot more as the season goes on, and especially uh, looking forward to checking out all your film breakdowns on Bears Hour Live. You guys out there that are listening to this, you already know very well about the work that Lauren and Phil are doing, but, I mean, it's amazing, guys. You guys are are filling a much-needed void in the Bears analysis, and uh, I look forward to, to the next piece when it comes out. Thank you so much, Brian. Brian always brings a check him out at bears wire and locked on bears guys unbelievable lauren gotta love him for those who caught our show live you know we had a little bit of a technical difficulty with brian being cut off at the end there but hopefully those of you listening to the podcast get to listen to a little bit of an extended interview we went back and and finished up with Brian after we got off the air. So hopefully you enjoy that. And now we're going to pick back up where we left off in the live show with the rest of the podcast. Well, you know, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, as we started to tease out a little bit here, our, our next film room breakdown on YouTube is going to be Deshaun Watson versus Mitch Trubisky sort of head-to-head. I know Phil's a little bit lower on Trubisky than I am. We both obviously have Deshaun Watson as number one, but especially after we talked to Steve Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus last week, I'm, I've am i been really intrigued at going back and looking at Trubisky because he talked about how, for them, 
Trubisky has been the most accurate quarterback over the course of just this past season as far as, as you know, getting the ball on target to his receivers. I was running through some of their numbers. I know Steve plugged their draft guide, and in their draft guide, I, I got my hands on it. They, they go through the accuracy of some of these quarterbacks, and when you look at adjusted completion percentage, they actually did have Deshaun Watson a couple percentages above that. So it's basically taking out drops, throwaways, and batted passes, basically anything on all mm-hmm. aimed passes. Deshaun Watson had a slightly higher completion percentage, but what they did find was that Mahomes, or sorry, was that uh, Trubisky was more consistently accurate on on throws downfield, when especially on those throws through progressions. But obviously, it's it's a much smaller sample size with Mitch Trubisky. And like Brian said, it's tough to feel crazy confident. But based on those twelve games or thirteen games of of projection from Trubisky, that you want this guy to be your franchise quarterback. And I think that's why we all see Watson as such a clear step ahead of him. You know, I, I worry sometimes about putting too much stock in the it factor stuff from Deshaun Watson because I don't know if that unfairly puts Watson ahead like because we because Watson has been through so much because we saw him come back in the national championship game after losing last year come to this one and really carry Clemson to a victory over what was considered mm-hmm. the, one of the best teams of the last decade in that Alabama defense you know we, we put a lot of stock in the way that he battled through adversity and the way he showed his character and his leadership and we just haven't had Trubisky hasn't had the opportunity to even show that character. So I, I feel I, I'm I'm really conscious about not knocking Mitch Trubisky for that stuff and not trying to elevate Watson too much for what we've seen. Just because Trubisky has done nothing to prove that he isn't a leader and isn't capable of of battling through adversity. It's just that he hasn't been in nearly as many situations to do so as Deshaun Watson was. And obviously Watson passed all his tests with flying colors, but Trubisky just wasn't tested in the same way. So I, 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 yeah. I try and I try and not hold that against Trubisky just because he hasn't been in those kind of situations. You can't punish players based on team. Those scouts and draft Twitter scouts that kind of correlate well, Penn State running backs stink, so this guy stinks, and 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 all of you have to look at the big picture. And when you look at Trubisky, just putting him in the perspective, and we will put him under the tape at the film room. You know, his defense isn't the greatest defense in the country. So the amount of possessions and the amount of time. When you look at Clemson, to be fair, they have some great defensive players on the other side of the football to help enable offense, so to speak, by getting turnovers in short fields. Those things have to come into play. So you really got to block out everything and recognize the trait. And I believe the philosophical system, the philosophy of the system has to be a match. That's why I'm so high on Chad Kelly, Lauren. I just, I see the traits that fit an NFL quarterback and somebody who's troubled and all that other stuff will come into the equation but ultimately is he going to be good under center and deliver the kind of strikes so I wouldn't even have any hesitation in drafting that guy in the middle of the rounds and seeing what you can get from him because I think you know this was a guy I had ranked number one coming into the season because of what he's able to do and those types of equations and how 
the person is and the man is is ultimately going to be the benchmark for the Bears this year. You definitely can't pass up the opportunity to add a player with a ceiling like that. I mean, Kelly was a guy that was, like you said, I mean, he performed against good teams. He, he really, the, the field talent, I feel like a lot of the draft community has sort of just ignored his tape because of the off- I mean, it's just basically, it's not worth, like, just to a lot of those people, it's not even worth evaluating him because they feel like, well, his off-the-field stuff is going to take him completely off the draft radar for a lot of people. So, but I, I think if if the mainstream draft Twitter really sat down and, and said, okay, this is what, let's see what this guy can do, we start to hear him more in that conversation among the top quarterbacks, at least somewhere in that top five, that top quarterback range. But we do have a, a caller on the line here. Caller, I, I, I know we've had this caller in the, in the show before, but what, what's your name and where are you calling from? It's uh, Matt calling from Chicago. Thanks for uh, taking the call, guys. A couple of things. First off, great Brian, great analysis from Brian. I think he, you guys really boiled it down um, with the points just about how they value Glennon. And it's not necessarily, depending on Pace, Pace's viewpoint, it's just not a uh, ordained – decision to, to grab a guy in the first or second round. Um, secondly, with respect to the conversation around Chad Kelly, um, one, one guy, I, I'm not sure how much you guys follow him, but like Greg Gabriel has, uh, has been kind of high on Chad Kelly. And, and just on a Twitter exchange, he had indicated to me that he has, you know, they're both from Buffalo. They had a lot of sources there and that, you know, obviously his stuff is such off field stuff is pretty well chronicled, but you know, he said based on what he's, heard from his people and guys who coached him that, you know, uh, he, you know, maybe not as bad as it appears. And, you know, if you can, if they can find themselves in a situation where they're able to plug a lot of these roster holes uh, and then grab somebody like that, who arguably has as much upside as maybe the top, you know, the top four or five guys in the draft and, you know, stay around five, that could be a huge opportunity. Without a doubt. I mean, like I said, Matt, I had this guy ranked number one coming in with Josh Allen of Wyoming right there with him. Watson, number three. Watson obviously elevated his game. Kelly got hurt. I think this is a challenge to the Bears uh, Bears Hour Live film room, Lauren, that we do a Chad Kelly episode because, let's just face it, you hit it right on the head, Lauren. The draft community doesn't recognize the tape, because when you watch it, I mean, you're looking at throws galore outside the numbers on the dime, and he is a sneaky athlete where he's able to run it. He ended up losing his season on a run play, which was physical, fighting for a first down on fourth down, I believe, and he just came up a yard short. I mean, he got leveled, but really, ultimately... This is the kind of competitor that you want at the at the quarterback position to accompany a Connor Shaw that we saw and David Fails. And you never know where lightning is going to strike. I recognize the guy's talent. I think it can't go unnoticed. I'm glad we got into him in this show, Lauren, because I think it's it's worthy of recognizing. You do anything you possibly can to get the franchise quarterback position in Chicago. And Matt, we got another caller coming in the line, so I'm gonna let you go here. But but, but thanks for great. calling, Matt. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we got our next caller already on the line. You caller, uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? We're we're getting low on time here, so we might have to keep it a little quick. Yeah, this is uh, Chris calling from Wheaton, Illinois. How you doing, Chris? 
Thanks for calling. Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk about the quarterback situation for the Bears. You know, I, I just really feel that it's a huge stretch to take Watson or Trubinsky with the third pick. Um, Trubinsky, as you guys have been saying, he hasn't proven himself. Um, and to, to go on a franchise quarterback with the third pick with someone who's played one year, and I know we'll look at his stats and other things later, but if you look at one game against played against North Carolina State, they were a quality team. They were a bowl team. They had a, maybe a above-average defense. They destroyed um, Trubinsky. He didn't do anything against him. Um, Watson, again, you know, he was on a great team. He did. He was in high-pressure situations. But still, he had a great, great team behind him. I know a lot of people don't like hearing things like that, but that's the truth. So, for me, I have to go then, what are we going to do in the second round? Who's going to be the best available quarterback? I feel, I've watched Patrick play his whole college career. I feel Patrick has by far the biggest upside for any quarterback right now that is in the draft. He has an arm like Favre. He has moves, um, you know, just as, as good as Watson. Um, again, you know, his, number, his numbers don't lie, guys. I mean, he, he should have, if you go by numbers strictly, he should have won the Heisman. No, no question. I don't know if anyone would disagree with me on that or not. Um, the kid, you know, the kid can play. Um, Listen, I, I, would, I, I like Mahomes. I said it on this show. I feel I'm with you there. The ceiling is high, but is he's not he he's not ready to get under center and play in the NFL right now. That doesn't deter me from taking this football player. I think yeah. it would be the perfect opportunity. You have Glenn in here. Yeah. As Brian said, they've committed a substantial amount of money to the guy. They've moved on from Cutler. Now you have a guy that's statuesque in the in the pocket, but he is sneaky mobile, but he can also be the leader that would take a young quarterback under his wing. He's done it in Tampa where he was able to pass the baton and not cause a distraction with uh, Winston. So I don't fear taking a Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I agree with you. I think... There's a lot of things to like. I think the footwork and everything like that, as long as you're delivering accurately and on time, I'm okay with that. And I feel like Mahomes is somebody I'd be willing to bring to Chicago to be that kid that you're going to develop into a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I'm not against him in the second round at all. Is he going to be available in the second round? That's been my question lately. Um, I've seen him be, you know, the fourth or fifth top-rated QB, but it sure seems like a lot of that has changed, and his stock has really soared. I personally wouldn't be surprised if he's the first or second quarterback taken off the board, personally. I could be completely wrong with that, and I am saying maybe a little bit from a fan, but the kid, the kid has everything, and I know he has lots of private workouts, lots of things, and his stock is just soaring, guys, so... You know, if we can get him in the second round, I think that would be our best bet. And just to stick with defense that first round, we got to get back to the monsters of the midway Bears defense. Listen, if Donovan McNabb was a first round pick, I could see Patrick Mahomes having success in the NFL. People won't like that, but when you look at Donovan McNabb running the freeze option and and running play running old wishbone type of offense and throwing the football, he had a Hall of Fame receiver, granted, in college yep. at Syracuse. But, you know, his ability to throw the football, he needed to develop, and then he matured and became the quarterback that he was. I think Patrick Mahomes on tape in a passing offense with 
the footwork issues, I can improve footwork if you're an athlete. And Patrick Mahomes is an athlete. 100%. And there's to no denying the accuracy on his deep ball, Lauren. I mean, oh. he might be throwing to the right and then throwing all the way across the field to the left, a la mm-hmm. John Elway. But it is landing it. right in the the body of the receiver. It's not – if it happens over and over and over again, at some point you have to, you know, give it to him. I mean, you look at uh, basketball, Lauren, back in the day, there was uh, um, Pete, Pistol Pete. Pistol Pete Maravich. Right. He wasn't the type of player that everyone was accustomed to, and they became mm-hmm. like, oh, he's, he's this, he's that. But ultimately, he got the job done. <laughs> There's your Pistol Pete Maravich analogy to Patrick Mahomes. Well, and you know yeah. it's funny. There's I was just looking the numbers. There's only two quarterbacks that threw more yep, yep. deep touchdowns this year than Patrick Mahomes as as far yes, as pa- pa- touchdowns that ca- that went more than twenty or more yards in the air. Yep. It's actually Dane Evans from Tulsa and Davis Webb from California had each yeah. had a couple and more Davis- touchdowns. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, Davis Webb was the quarterback at Texas Tech, and he got hurt, and that's why Patrick got in, got starting for for them. If you guys mm-hmm. remember, he was behind Davis Webb and Baker Mayfield. And just one more thing, I've been, like I said, following Patrick's career, and I coached uh, one of the wide receivers at Texas Tech. And I, like you said, I've seen him just go across his body and throw throw easy touchdowns, and you know, all day. Like I said, I just really feel that uh, he's going to be he's going to be the best quarterback to come out of this draft. Well, he certainly has a, a decent chance to do so. And Chris, I want to thank you so much for calling in. We're getting down well, to the last couple much. minutes of our show. Of course, so. appreciate it. Great, great Thanks insight, a lot, on Mahomes. Chris. Yeah, Mahomes is a fireball, no doubt about it, Lauren. And uh, the quarterback position, in and of itself, Brian Perez bringing in, and as well as you, Lauren, doing a great job here today with the quarterback position i'm fired up because you know you you get in that dark room you have twins you got to put them to bed and then tackle the tape so to speak and when you do and you see these quarterbacks and you know it is the year of the quarterback for the bears or presumably so you get excited about these young passers And, and what does ryan pace think that is going to be answered at some point I'm glad we're bringing it to the film room, though, Lauren. Yeah, you know, when you really turn on this guy's film, it really hits you like uh, solar panels through your car windshield, right? (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) Phil had a little bit of a little bit of car trouble, so I had to to take some fun there. But he's—I feel—are you currently sitting in a a car full of broken glass? Is that right? Um, Broken glass everywhere. People living on the street like they just don't care. Yes, I am, Lauren. I'm in a car that smashed because the snow just slid off the solar panels and decimated my front windshield. But I'm 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 doing it to keep the sound quality for the show. The show must go on, they say, Lauren, right? Yeah, that's really making the, the mobile studios to a whole new level there, sitting in the car. But, that's, you know, we improvise here at Bears Hour Live, and we have a good time. So uh, I hope everyone enjoyed today's show. As always, if, if you can't catch the show live, we're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're on Stitcher, tune in pretty much anywhere that you can get podcasts. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Bears Hour Live. He's at FullPhilO. I'm at Cox Sports one We got our YouTube channel. We just went up over 100 subscribers, which got us our own URL. So it's YouTube.com slash C slash Bears Hour Live. You can check out all our film room stuff there. Be sure to subscribe to get 
the Patrick Mahomes or the the Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky Deshaun Watson film room will have coming out probably on Wednesday. Of course, if you haven't seen our Leonard Floyd film room, our our Alshon Jeffrey film room, we've really been powering through Mike some tape Glennon. Here. Yeah, Mike Glennon. I was just trying to think of the last one, and we'll have a tons more of, of draft prospects headed to the film room coming down the pipeline as we get closer to the 2017 NFL draft. We're gonna have some more guests on as we get in the coming weeks here and, and preview the draft. We might be looking at some uh, defensive back talk next week. We're gonna we're gonna see some if if we can get some Jabril Peppers talk going. We'll, we're still uh, finalizing plans there, but uh, hopefully oh, you yeah. you enjoyed today's show. Sorry again about the getting Brian cut off there. I'm not, I'm still not quite sure what happened, but we made it through. We powered through as always. And and it was a good time. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this edition of bears hour live. (laughs)